Baseball's great charm is that the action comes in spurts, which leaves plenty of time to spin yarns, look at the girls, and make wisecracks. going on welcome to another episode of full count chaos almost getting halfway through the season and the Orioles still have a winning record though some conversations that I hear you'd think the Orioles are still trying to win their 10th game but hey that's sports that's how it goes when they're playing great they're the best team they've ever seen play the game of baseball when they're losing maybe two in a row two out of three. Oh my god they're the worst team I've ever seen play the game of baseball I want out but they're 43 and 26, still playing pretty good baseball. You know, when you when you lose two in a row from the Chicago Cubs and you're struggling to score runs, yeah, it makes you feel a little uneasy. Fuck this. Thinking what's going on. Obviously, Cedric Mullins not in the lineup. That is not helping. I don't know if Hicks is starting to come back down to reality. I know when he put on that Orioles jersey in the first couple weeks he's playing, look at him go. We're thinking to ourselves, hey. Cedric who? Whoa, Nate, take it easy. We didn't go that far. So things, yeah, when you're seeing the Orioles go to Chicago, play a team who does not have a winning record, and they just seem tired, yeah, it's going to make you feel a little uneasy. Now, two things that I was reminded this week. Yeah, the Orioles' middle relievers stink badly, and C.B. Buckner should never be calling a game behind the plate ever again. God help us all. These umpires are fucking up the game. Now, I've talked about it till I'm blue in the face on this podcast. You all know how I feel. I feel there should be radar calling balls and strikes. I don't want to hear it about the human element anymore. Oh, my God. These umpires are just making me want to pull my hair out. And I have beautiful hair. I want to keep my hair. But if I keep watching these umpires call balls and strikes every day, I'm going to be completely bald by the end of the season. And also, how the hell... Do you forget the count in a game, especially in the ninth inning? C.B. Buckner, turn in your resignation immediately or stay away from home plate. Y'all so stupid! Major League Baseball, they need to figure this shit out with the umpires. And I know, strikes and balls, that's not what brings in the money. So the league isn't really going to look into it. They could give a fuck. They just want to look at the bottom line. Strikes and balls? Well, whatever. It's a, it's a tough job. They need to have umpires calling balls and strikes who are only specifically trained to call balls and strikes enough with this rotation bullshit every four days. I think each team should have two challenges a game calling balls and strikes. They have the technology to confirm whether it is a ball or strike. We see it every game. They have the computer graphic. They show the ball just missed the box, and you're like, all right, it's a ball. I'm sorry. I was screaming at the TV, calling the umpire a piece of shit, and then they do the graphic, the computer graphic up on the screen. My wife will look at me. Well, I guess it was a ball. What are you even doing here right now? No, I'm kidding. I get so mad, but these umpires, they just completely shit the bed. And C.B. Buckner on Saturday just a terrible game. I mean, he's calling strikes that are a foot outside, a foot inside, almost hitting players, and he's ringing them up. 
Strike three, six and a half feet outside, sit down, and you can't debate it. You can't turn around and have a conversation or you're going to get thrown out. That's another reason they need to do something. These umpires are not held accountable. You can't even argue. You can't even look at them in the eye. These umpires are so sensitive. These players, when they argue, it, it, it looks so stupid. They'll look to the ground and they'll start yelling. They don't even want to make eye contact with the umpires. I mean, Cedric Mullins got thrown out. Well, that was this year, right? Yeah. And we're going, okay, the system is completely screwed. If little sweet Cedric Mullins is getting thrown out, but for all we know, he could have looked at the up and be like, your mom's a whore, go fuck yourself. And he gets thrown out and we're going, wait a minute, not Cedric Mullins. <laughs> but the month of June, it's been up and down. There's been a half a dozen games in June, I think. They've only scored like two runs. Their offense just completely goes to sleep. That's a little concerning. And of course, Cedric Mullins not being in the lineup's not helping. Ryan Mountcastle, he's not in the lineup, but he started shit in the bed. Mateo, oof. You got Hicks coming back down to reality. I mean, you're really counting on Adley Rushman and uh, uh, Gunnar Henderson lately. You know, O'Hearn, McCann, Lester, they're not the answer. Although O'Hearn's been swinging the bat. I shouldn't pick on him. He's been doing okay. 43 and 26. Uh, let's look at the Orioles offense rankings. This is American League, National League, the entire league. Uh, 10th in home runs with 82. 11th OPS. 13th average hitting 254. Uh, they're 7th. That's good in the top 10 in RBIs. 15th in OBP. So they're basically an average offense right now. And, of course, pitching, that's another conversation. It's kind of interesting because right now it's like, well, what's first on the list? Offense, bullpen arm, starting rotation. Of, of course, there's no such thing as having enough starting pitching. I mean, come on, Shane Bieber. Let's, let's get him on the team, huh? Get him in an Orioles jersey. Number one ace we need. Look, Tyler Wells, Dean Kramer, they're all pitching well. But is it still number one on your list of getting a starting pitcher? Because the offense seems like it's starting to slow down a little bit. I know the other night they were playing against the Blue Jays, scored 11 runs. It was 11 to 2 in the eighth inning. And the tying run was on deck. <laughs> Fucking bullpen arms. But every now and then, the offense will just completely explode. And then they'll go to sleep for like three or four games in a row sometimes. And the pitching has to hold the other team to like two runs so the Orioles can win three to two. But with the pitching. Let's see, they are 15th, right smack dab in the middle of the ERA, 421. They're top 12 in giving up home runs. That's not good, 80 for the season. But they are top seven in strikeouts. Now, giving up home runs, going back to that real quick, um, Cole Irvin, <laughs> he ain't it. Oh, boy. Gabe, what do you give up? Three in one inning against the Cubs, so that didn't help. Uh, top seven in strikeouts, so that's good. And then they're bottom 10 in whip, 133. So. A lot of conversations happening with what the next move Elias should do here. Offense, bullpen arm, starting rotation. I do obviously think Mike Elias is going to make a move for the deadline. I think there's going to be a trade. And I know a lot of people are screaming and yelling about Mateo playing every day. But sometimes when you're trying to trade a player, you're just hoping and praying like the next three to five games. They have a streak going three for four, five to eight stolen bases. They just have a hell of a week. I think Urias is going to be in that trade. Uh, Joey Ortiz writing on the wall. I mean, you guys, we have guys like Westberg coming up. He can play short. Did you see that highlight the other night? 
basically threw the runner out from like shell left. <laughs> he got up, couldn't even step into the throw and he threw a laser, got the runner out at first. We're going to see obviously Jackson holiday coming up sooner than later. So the infield, I just don't think Urias Mateo. I don't think they're part of the future. Uh, their bats aren't exactly shining like a bright star. So I, I don't think, unfortunately, Mateo is going to be in the future as much as I love watching him play. He's an electric player. I just think of the options that the Orioles have here in the near future and the young kids coming up. I just think Elias and Hyde putting Mateo out there, just going, please have a good week. <laughs> really, just please in the next week or two, have a, have a great week. And unfortunately, that's not happening. So I'm sure we're going to see a little trade brew up here shortly. By the way, again, if you haven't seen that Westbrook highlight, holy shit, go back and take a look at that. You know, if you're thinking, well, we need Mateo for his glove and his arm and his defense. I don't know. Some highlights out there showing Westbrook at short. That's like, God damn. I'd like to see that in the future as well. And he's got a great bat, of course. The Mount Castle shit in the bed and Cedric Mullins not in the lineup is a killer. And Mateo... <laughs> Obviously, I think we all knew the month he had in April. Look, I didn't think he was going to continue that all season. Finish with an average of 422. <laughs> I think we all knew he was going to kind of come back down to reality, but he, he's dropped a little further than we were hoping. Urias, not exactly doing us any favors offensively. He's had a couple good games here and there. So again, Gunnar Henderson, Adley Rushman, you just kind of, Wait for them to come around in the lineup and hopefully someone's on base by the time they get up. Now, it was great to beat the Blue Jays two out of three. Love it. Anytime the Orioles can still take care of the Blue Jays, anyone in our division, but the Blue Jays, I love it. We've already established how much I hate the Blue Jays. Somebody wrote in a couple weeks ago and said that I always get very dramatic no matter which team we play in the AL East. Apparently, Red Sox, Yankees, whoever, I'm sitting here going, no, they're the worst team in the uh in the league and all of baseball. They're the worst team in the American league East. No, I think I've finally made up my mind that I, I think the blue Jays are the worst right now to me, their fans are team, whatever. But last Tuesday's game against the blue Jays, the Orioles 17 hits and four home runs marked season high. See, that's what I'm talking about. This, this offense will just explode. And you're like, all right, let's just focus on pitching, trying to get some pitching. And then pfft, Four or five games of uh, scoring one or two runs. And it's funny, normally a game like that, we can all expect them to get one, maybe two hits the next night because that's exactly how sports works. And that's exactly what happened. Next game, Orioles lose three to one. The only run they scored was in the ninth inning. But we all knew it. The cliche, what's that cliche saying? Oh, save some runs for tomorrow. But that's exactly what I was saying. My wife was sitting there watching it with me. She goes, this means... Tomorrow, the offense is going to go to bed. I love watching games with my wife. I'm a lucky guy. What can I say? I, I married a woman who is a diehard sports fan. She loves horror movies. I love horror movies. She loves sports. She loves the Orioles. She loves the Ravens. I love all those things. So it's great. You want to see someone pacing back and forth yelling at a TV. You should watch my wife. Uh, uh, you should just watch her watch the Ravens. That's entertaining. <laughs> I'm always like, yes, take your anger out on the Ravens. Give all your angry energy to them today. It's like a little kid when you want him to take a nap. You know, it's like, yeah, waste all your energy so you sleep through the night. <laughs> Watching my wife. Yes, that's right. All your angry energy you have, throw at the Ravens. Anyway, just patting myself on the back. 
I married a fine lady, fine lady, but she sits there. She watches the Orioles games with me. She hangs on every pitch. All right, going to get some emails right here. Fullcountks at gmail.com. Don't forget, head over to sportsdrink.org. That is the sports network that I am a part of. Head over there. They've got podcasts, all sports, not sports, everything. Any sport that you can think of, any team that you can think of, college, football, basketball, baseball, they have it. I guarantee it. Skateboarding, they have it. Sportsdrink.org. Give them a look. Head over there. Check them out. All right. Again, fullcountks at gmail.com. Some emails I'm going to go over. Last week, I was talking about the bobblehead, the bobblehead, Captain America, Adley Rushman, went to the game, got mine. Uh, currently see those bobbleheads on eBay trying to sell for 200 250 I did see a couple of them sell for like 120 125 but hey, who am I to judge? I <laughs> There's some weird shit that I do that I spend my money on that you guys would be like, what the fuck are you doing? But like I said, walking out of the stadium, there's people offering 20, 30 bucks. And apparently they're making their money back. I see people buying them on eBay, but I was just kind of curious. You know, hey, if if you're out there and you collect them, love to hear from you. And I actually meant to uh, reach out to a friend of mine because I forgot. He collects all, you know, the signed posters framed on the wall, uh, baseball cards, signed baseballs. And he's got a whole wall of bobbleheads. So I'm sitting here like, why the fuck didn't I reach out to him? But some people reached out on Twitter, giving their opinion as well. I haven't heard from anyone who actually collects them to explain why they're into them. Are they actually valuable in 5, 10, 15 years? But here's an email from Anthony from Hartford County in Maryland. He writes in. He says, I don't know why people love bobbleheads so much, but I'm assuming it's just like anything else with sports memorabilia. People will pay for it if it's labeled as a collector's item. He says, for 20 years, my friend has bought the cheapest Orioles ticket on bobblehead day and would grab a couple of those and head home. He wouldn't even stay for the game, just the bobblehead. He'd walk in, get the bobblehead, make a U-turn, and he would head home. He'd go home, throw them up on eBay, and would make about $300 in profit. He would do that every time the Orioles have a bobblehead day. He sold a Cedric Mullins bobblehead for $200 last year. He only spent $20 to go to that game. He doesn't collect bobbleheads, but he takes advantage of the poor people willing to pay a lot for a plastic toy with a head that bobbles. All right. Uh, Anthony breaking it down on his opinion of bobbleheads. He finishes. He says, though, after the way Gunnar Henderson is playing, I might actually spend some money on a Gunnar bobblehead. Yeah, no shit. Anything pertaining to Gunnar Henderson lately, I think I, uh, I would spend some money. Anthony, appreciate the email. Yeah, I... I see that all the time. People go in. I saw it when I was at the game. They walk in, make a U-turn, they head home. I even overheard conversations. Guys being like, that's it. All right, let's go. And that's what they would do. They'd spend like the $25 seats, go home, sell the bobblehead, make some profit. It's smart. Smart thing to do. That's why the guy I saw had like a castle of bobbleheads outside that he was paying money. He's going to go home and sell them, and people are going to buy them, just like anything else with sports. People pay a shit ton of money. Look at the Tom Brady. The the season before he retired, which show this test. I still think about that guy at least once a week, thinking Tom Brady's going um, uh, to retire his last touchdown football. I forgot what the guy paid for. I think it was like a half a mil or something like that. 
And then Tom Brady's like, the next day, he's like, no, I'm not going to retire. <laughs> I don't know what that guy's done with the football. I want to reach out to him. Say, what are you doing with it now? Is it just going to collect dust? But people will pay good money anything that has to do with sports. So I appreciate the email, Anthony. Let me know. Hey, my friend, he's got a part-time job. Bobblehead day. There he goes. Make some money. Why not? So I was just kind of curious the other day. I logged on. I logged on. I, I just went on this website. It's like workmoney.com. Has the most valuable bobblehead dolls of all time. And it's every category. It's not just sports, but ironically, the most valuable bobbleheads in the world right now are sports bobbleheads. Uh, they did like the top 30, like some random ass bobbleheads, like Paul McCartney and George Harrison. I'm a huge Beatles fan. Um, 2,500. Dick Tracy, that bobblehead was worth 2,600. Now, we haven't even gotten into the uh, the good values yet. I'm just going over some random ones on the list. Mike Rowe. He had a show called Dirty Jobs, and I still think, I think they brought it back like a year or two ago, and it was on Discovery Plus, I think. I don't know. But that was weird to see. His bobblehead right now is going for $3,000. It's valued at $3,000. That was probably one of the most random ones I saw on the whole list. Uh, real quick, just a couple other random ones for fun. Wolfman, the old character in the horror movies like back in the 40s. <laughs> uh, there's Phantom of the Opera. That was a weird one. It's like valued at 4000 uh, what was the other one? There was uh, Frankenstein. He's valued up there. Like it's, his bobblehead's valued at five thousand. Mister Magoo, same thing, up around five thousand. And then they start getting. You start seeing more and more sports bobbleheads here. Oh, uh, one last random one: Popeye the Sailor Man. It's valued at fifteen thousand dollars. So if you have a Popeye the Sailor bobblehead, throw that shit on eBay. But the most valuable bobbleheads are sport bobbleheads, but they're not a specific player. Uh, like number three, it's a Green Bay Packers bobblehead. It's just it almost looks like a just a Packers fan wearing a um, wearing a Packers helmet. Thirty four thousand dollars it's valued at. Uh, number two, oh yeah, this is also random. Chinese plaster figurines. They are valued at thirty six thousand dollars. But the number one most valuable bobblehead in the world right now is a, unfortunately, New York Yankees bobblehead. It's not a specific player. Again, it looks like a kid wearing a Yankees hat. He's got like a little curly cue in the front hanging under the hat. That is worth $60,000. It just says 1961 New York Yankees bobblehead. Fucking Yankees. They're everywhere. They haunt us. They won't leave us alone fucking Yankees. So I think I'm answering my own question here of why people collect bobbleheads. Here you go. Because if you have the right one and you hold on to it for a while, you could get a lot of money. A lot of money. But again, Anthony, thanks for the email. Got one more here. A uh, gentleman by the name of David. He writes in, he says, winning is fun. He says, this has been an absolute blast so far this year. Realistically, though, this team is going to have some bad days and, and at times, weeks. It's a 162-game season. People need to fucking relax. With that said, talking about how to improve the team is natural. The goal is to not only make the playoffs but compete. Just fucking sitting there and watching a player struggle for months and saying, he's a great guy, we're still winning. Fuck that. I went to the game Saturday and got my bobblehead as well. Also got a Gunnar Henderson City Connect jersey. That kid is going to be great. That home run on Sunday, my God. He says Hicks was such a confusing move at the start. 
Says, I was so upset, but Jesus, maybe that man's confidence was ruined by that shitty fan base in New York. And he's actually a decent player. Man is killing it. Appreciate the email, David. He makes a lot of great points in this email. I like how he said, talking about how to improve the team is natural. The goal is to not only make the players, but compete. So I mean, I saw a lot of people getting attacked with uh, mentioning of how to, how to make the team better. You can always, you always feel like in sports, the team could be better no matter what their record is. But I saw a lot of people get attacked last week. Like, Oh, glass half empty. Oh, you're so negative. <laughs> a couple people on Twitter with me as well. Can't you just enjoy the winning record? Come on. That, that's not what we're saying here. And then same thing. You talk about a player who has lots of fans like Ryan Mountcastle. I was talking about him last week, but yeah, players attacking or um, fans attacking you. Well, what are you talking about? He's a great guy. Here's David saying, fuck that. <laughs> if he's struggling, Gotta go. But it's good to see uh, David got his bobblehead. Yeah, talking about Gunnar Henderson's home run. Holy shit. I mean, that ball is still going. I think he, uh, I think that was the furthest. Yeah, that's the furthest home run that's ever been hit on Utah Street. 462 feet. That was crazy. But I appreciate the email, David. He definitely wanted to give his opinion. I'm right there with Hicks as well. He says, you know, that move. It was a head scratcher. Like, what the fuck is this about? But he's been a pleasant surprise. A lot of people are saying that about Hicks. Lately, lately, he's starting to fall off a little bit. Hopefully, he picks that back up. But a lot of great points. I like it. David has my back. Appreciate that. So, again, want to hear from you guys. Fullcountchaos at gmail.com. More to get to here. The Cubs game on Friday. Want to talk about here for a second. They stopped the Orioles. Again, thanks to Irvin and the bullpen losing 10 to 3. Complete pitching shit show. Complete shit show. And does it help the pain of losing because Trey Mancini is on the Cubs? No, no, it doesn't. That's another thing I've expressed many times on here before. I don't care if there's an ex Oriole on another team. I'm not rooting for you anymore. When you leave the Orioles and you're no longer wearing an Orioles jersey, not a fan of you anymore. I could give a shit what you do. But the list of like Trey Mancini, I think I even Zach Britton, I was rooting for him, even though he went to the, the dark side. But no, it doesn't help. I understand people have their different ways to help with the depression of the Orioles losing and a lot of people going, well, you know what? I'm actually happy for this one because I love Trey Mancini. I do too, but I did not want the Cubs to win. And it doesn't sting any less. So anyway, moving on from that, uh, I've seen enough of Cole Irvin. Those change-ups that he threw Friday in Chicago that floated across the plate, I could have rocked that 460 feet. Those change-ups were the most non-competitive pitches I think I have ever seen in my life watching baseball. He gave up three home runs in one inning that day. He was pulled at 68 pitches without even recording an out in the fifth inning. Although an interesting stat I saw, uh, Irvin allowed as many home runs on his changeup in that inning as he did in 181 innings last year with Oakland. Whatever. In his five starts this season, Irvin has finished the fifth inning just once. Time to go, bucko. He ain't it. He ain't it. And, of course, the Orioles' bullpen stunk it up Friday. Somebody uh, sent me a text and check this out. And it was our, uh, noticed it was our buddy, friend of the show, Matt Kremnitzer. He tweeted out, need to give him credit where it came from. Orioles bullpen ERA with Bautista and Cano 
Seventh best in majors, 362. Now you take them out of the bullpen, the, uh, the Orioles bullpen's 452 ERA, 25th in MLB. So God bless Cano. God bless Bautista. But of course, one of the reasons why I think it might be uh, on the top of the list to get a bullpen arm, we do not want Bautista and Cano's arm to be burnt out by August. Because the Orioles, which is great, they're always in it. They're always in the game. But when you're beating the Blue Jays 11-2 going into the eighth inning, and in the ninth inning, you're seeing Bautista warm up because it's 11-6, bases loaded, with the tying run on deck, that's a problem. 11-2. Ten minutes later, we're seeing Bautista warming up in the bullpen. That's fucking ridiculous. But let's let's get over to some positive talk. Our boy Gunnar Henderson. Now, I talked about him a little bit last week, but probably not enough. But that home run again, uh, David mentioned in his email, holy shit, 462 feet on Utah Street. Again, the furthest home run that has ever been hit in Camden Yards on Utah Street, which that was hard to believe. Especially with Chris Davis. You know, he had some bombs out on Utah Street. So when I heard it was little old Gunner, Gunner, even though I heard him talking about it on on TV, I heard uh, uh, Kevin Brown talking about it. Of course, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, they must have been wrong. But I still looked that up. I was like, wait, wait, that doesn't sound right. But Gunnar Henderson, his defense is looking sharp. He's just looking like he's having a good old time on the field. His last 53 at-bats, he's batting 340 with a 660 slugging. <laughs> Here's a cool stat. Gunnar Henderson is the 17th rookie in Orioles history to hit a grand slam and the first since Ryan Mountcastle on May 22nd, 2021. Yeah, if you didn't see it, go back and watch it. Gunnar Henderson highlighted hitting the grand slam the other day. And it was funny, Dave Johnson was calling the game who, look, nice guy, knows a lot about baseball, but holy fuck me, does he put me to sleep. Oh, does he put me to sleep. But when the bases were loaded and Gunnar comes up to bat and he... (laughs) When he hit the grand slam, when the ball left the bat, you could hear Dave Johnson go, (gasps) which I think we all did. But it's just funny hearing the Orioles announcer get all excited. Uh, Again, there's Ryan Mountcastle's name. Here's Ryan Mountcastle's name comes up again with Gunnar Henderson. Henderson is the first Orioles rookie to homer in three straight games since Ryan Mountcastle from June 2nd to 5th in 2021. And that's why it hurts that Ryan Mountcastle is not in the lineup, but when he was, he wasn't doing well. I mean, that was the guy in the beginning of the season that I thought was going to rock, you know, 40-plus home runs. Again, I never really noticed, I I talked about last week, all his stats, his average, OBP, OPA, all the shit. Every year is just declining, which is very concerning. But again, we all wish Ryan Mountcastle to get well and get back in the lineup and help the Orioles out. Uh, Gunnar Henderson in June, 483 average, 500 OBP, 1.35 slugging, and 1.535 OPS. Get the fuck out of here. Give me more of Gunnar. Now, if Gunnar Henderson continues to play the way that he is, and there's a Gunnar Henderson bobblehead night, shit, I would love to see what they're being sold for on eBay. Go get that money. All right, speaking of Felix Bautista, Again, concerned he doesn't burn out his arm by the end of August. We see him in games sometimes. We're like, what the fuck is he doing here? It was 15 to 2 an inning ago. Now it's 15 to 12, tying runs at the plate. We're watching Bautista pitch. 
It's ridiculous. Now, there's a great article by Nathan Ruiz, the Baltimore Sun, talking about how Felix is on pace to grab himself a strikeout record. He's got 64 punch-outs in 31 innings so far. It's 18.6 strikeouts per nine innings rate. Is He's on pace to shatter Chapman's record set in 2014 with the Reds. You know I hate Chapman. Most people do. Awful human being. That says Chapman struck out 17.7 batters per nine that season. The highest for any qualified starter or relief, reliever. Now, currently Bautista is tied for fourth with 17 saves and fifth with a 116 ERA. And is on a path to chase Chapman's record. Bautista has struck out 50.8% of the 126 batters he's faced. And he struck out the side in 11 of his 30 appearances. <laughs> I love this man. He also has as many strikeouts in 31 innings as Shane Bieber, who I was talking about earlier. Love to see him in his Orioles jersey. He was a Cy Young Award winner in 2020. And also, this is kind of funny. Uh, he has more than the Orioles starters, Kyle Gibson, 58 and 83 innings, and Kyle Bradish, 51 and 53 innings. <laughs> so, oh, Bautista, please stay healthy. This is why it's so important to have a decent bullpen. Because these pitchers just ain't doing it. Vol, Perez, oh, God. He's got to figure out what he did last year. Because he was on fire last year, but fuck me. He's just pitching like shit lately. And when you don't have the arms in the bullpen and they give up three, four, five runs in the matter of two innings, yeah, you're going to have to continue to go to Cano, continue to go to Bautista. Because those are like the only guys other than Brian Baker that you trust in the bullpen right now. That's terrible. So I can see why in the conversations of what should the Orioles do before the deadline, most conversations I'm hearing lately is get a bullpen arm or two. Because Michael Givens ain't it. Dylan Tate will be back shortly, but fuck me. Right now, the Orioles, two or three run lead going late in the game. You don't feel comfortable. Every now and then, the Orioles are going to have to win three to one, two to one, four to three. It's just part of sports and baseball. Can't always keep depending on the offense to score 10 to 15 runs per game. It's just not how baseball works. So I just pray that Cano and Bautista's arm continue to stay healthy. And I do see why a lot of conversations, when you try to figure out what are the Orioles going to do at the deadline, a bullpen arm or two, because Michael Givens ain't it. Dylan Tate will be back in a little bit. Things don't look well. When the Orioles are winning three to one late in the innings, it gets a little uncomfortable. Can't always keep throwing Cano and Bautista out there. And speaking of pitching, talked about before, but I just want to keep giving props. Tyler Wells right now is just a little shining star. <laughs> Six and two record, 320 ERA, 82 strikeouts and 80, 81 and two thirds innings. He's got the lowest whip in MLB at .86. So when he takes the mound, I feel good. I feel real good. But should we get a guy like Shane Bieber coming on? I, I think shit. In this episode, every time you hear Shane Bieber's name, drink. So whether it's starting or a starting pitcher or in bullpen, do something. Something's got to happen with the pitching. The hitting, it'll get figured out. We got guys like Westberg and Kowser coming up shortly. I think Mateo, Urias, uh, Ortiz, there's going to be a trade somewhere there. I think the offense will figure it out. But the pitching right now with the bullpen arms that we're seeing, oof, that's a scary sight. But I always love hearing from you guys. Again, thanks for the emails. Want to continue to hear from you. Let's talk about the all-star voting next week. Kind of your opinion on how uh, the all-star voting is going. Fullcountchaos at gmail.com. Till next time, see ya.